And welcome to the Plant a Trillion Tree podcast. I'm Eva Monheim. And I'm Hal Rosner. We're both certified arborists, credentialed by the International Society of Arboriculture. The purpose of our podcast is to encourage tree planting and proper tree care for our urban forest, which includes neighborhoods, parks, and other open space. We'll also cover the importance of the already existing tree cover and the benefits. So welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is being recorded on February 19th, 2021. Lori Hayes is the Director of Urban Forestry and District Tree Crew, Districts 1 through 8, Philadelphia Parks and Recreation, and is a certified arborist through ISA. Lori graduated Temple University with a Bachelor of Science degree in horticulture, and she is a Penn State Master Gardener. Welcome to the Plant a Trillion Trees podcast, Lori. We're delighted to have you on our podcast today. Thank you. You have, you have a wonderful uh, background, but you also have been well known in the industry for years, and you have a special magic when it comes to trees. And that magic is evident in our city. We have so many wonderful things going on with trees, and um, I, we can't wait to hear what you have to say about some of the things that we're, we've been researching here. But first, before we get into that, can you give us a, a little bit or several of your highlights in your career that you um, really think are uh, important moving forward? Well, as far as the career, the background was... Uh, regular city girl in Germantown, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But I went to Seoul High School, agricultural high school, and I kind of branched out and blossomed uh, with my studies. And I was introduced to horticulture by a wonderful teacher, Ron Atarian. He's now Dr. Atarian, but affectionately still known as Ron. And he taught greenhouse management. And I learned about crops. And I also learned about botanical nomenclature. He was a stickler for that. We would get 10 plants every week, and we had to identify them and write down genus, species, and common name. Not so often with cultivars, but they had to be written precisely. Genus, capitalized, species, lowercase, and underlined but not with a single underline. So those stipulations went through to working at the flower show, Fairmount Park, and identification. So moving on from high school, I went to Penn State for a time, but my family changed in uh, 1981. So I started at Temple. And as you know, Temple only had the two-year program. And I waited it out. I waited it out because I really needed that bachelor's to uh, move up and excel in Fairmont Park. And then came John Collins there. And I, great guy. I, 
Yeah, and and my mentor was Mrs. Stephanie Cohen. Oh, sure. I mean, Stephanie was always the lady who said, you can do it. Uh, so that guided me. So along with working, I started working in the park in 1981. And, and after 16 years, I really feel special because of that Mars landing, the perseverance. I got an award for perseverance in Temple because it took me so long to graduate. But I've worked. And always just asking people, what do you do? What's your role? How's this done? Just everything as far as nature and outdoor activities. So that's kind of the story. But working, I've moved up through the ranks of civil service from a grounds maintenance worker. I cut grass, pick trash, work special events, even drove a park trolley. You do what you need to do. And then I moved into management supervision. Uh, most notably, park district manager in 1996, because with that degree, I made $20,000 more than the day before. Wow, what a difference. And what a difference a, a day makes and a piece of paper makes. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's as they say, it's bona fide. But you can't fake it. I had to have it. And so I moved into that role. And then we had a merger in 2011. Uh, Fairmount Park Commission merged with the Department of Recreation in Philadelphia, and we became Philadelphia Parks and Recreation. So everything changed at that point, and I moved into a regional manager position in the north, and I took care of the northeast and Taconi and Mayfair and such. But then I came into the forestry role because of Joan Blaustein. She was the lady who had the position, and she was retiring. I also volunteered. Anything I could sign up for, a conference, a workshop, a seminar, anything I qualified for, I would do. Say, almost like, if you did it, I'm going to do it too. And it's taken me a long way. So I, I was promoted into that title. Uh, director of Urban Forestry. So I'm now all things trees. Even though the horticulture I'll never forget, I grow, I still go to classes at the Wagner Free Institute just because it's what I enjoy. I live I for think it. being a lifelong learner, I, and I know that I'm constantly taking classes too, and I know Hal does, It's there's something about continuing that education that is this long thread through life that makes us relevant. I, I would say feeling that way, being very relevant to the time that we're in. And those classes kind of hook us into those re that relevancy in that particular time that we take the class. And um, for our listeners, I want to uh, say that you're wondering about Temple University's degree at one time, it was only a two-year degree program, and uh, it wasn't until, what, 19, in the 90s that it became a 
uh, four-year degree program. And that's why Lori had to wait and wait until she was able to get that four-year paper. Not everybody knows that, but there were two-year degree programs and then there were four-year degree programs in horticulture. So just to kind of give you a little bit of a background and what a difference that makes to have, you know, from a two-year degree to a four-year degree um, is a huge stepping stone uh, for anyone who's in the horticulture profession today. Absolutely. Lori makes a good point that, uh, or, or, and Eva, you just said it as well, is that idea of staying engaged with learning. Um, especially, I've observed it all these years in the tree care business is, if I'm not learning new things, if I'm not encouraging the people out on the crews to learn new things, um, once you plateau, you can really start to lose your focus on the importance of your work. And sometimes just showing the new people, you know, what a root collar is and how to pull the soil back. And this is a root we can prune. This is one we have to leave alone. Just as an example, it, it, it enriches what we do as arborist professionals to continue to uh, have that shoot growth, if you will, and learn new things and apply them in our daily practice. I think that I think that's important to to think about. And uh, Lori, I know it was a challenge getting to where you are today, or perseverance, or as you were saying, connecting that with the Mars landing, which I think is brilliant. Um, can you can you share with us some of the things that you experienced while while you were you know in other positions within the context of the tree arena with Philadelphia and greening, um, what were some of the challenges that you may have had or some, um, some things that came up that you were surprised came up during your work with the city? Well, at one point in my career, uh, before I was in a supervisory role, I was a tree inspector on the street. And I kind of, uh, I don't want to say hovered over, but I watched uh, tree contractors work each day. Every day I would get a faxed list of 10 locations. And it was my job to go around to make sure that they were where they said they were going to work. And also property owners we want to make sure that they didn't damage anything and just kind of walk away, uh, sidewalks, windows, what have you. So I worked on the streets in a lot of zip codes in all communities for a number of years. And what I saw was tree removal, trees. I had a special affinity. I mean, I was proud to be out there. But then some people didn't like trees, and I, I didn't understand it. There were a lot of days, and we worked year-round. Uh, I worked with a few companies. A few of them, in fact, are still in business. But it was just you get a different feeling of, ah, this isn't so important. But it became important for our mayor at the time, and that was Mike Nutter, because he instituted the pruning, the practice of pruning for the trees. I worked with removals and planting. And at that time, 
if you removed one, you had to plant one. It may not have been in the same space, but in the same zip code proximity. But pruning helped a lot to manage our, our maturing tree canopy around town. And we were on a six-year cycle. So if your, your tree was pruned, it was said that it would be done again in six years. But budgets, money, money drives it all. And I can recall one quote, I love quotes and cliches. Ernesta Ballard, she was a wonderful woman that I looked up to during her day. She said, trees don't vote. So the trees didn't get the money that we thought. So we know in the city, you must have police and fire protection. So our budget was reduced and pruning may not happen every six years the way it was initiated, but it still occurs, but it's not on such a rigid cycle anymore. So along with that, I watched Tree Philly come about. That's the program that came about in 2012, whereas you as a homeowner could get a tree but you couldn't plant it at the street curbside. You could put it on your private property. And that helped to address our canopy issues as well. So you just won't believe the number of people that embraced that program, that would come out to get their tree. And we'd meet our, our constituent uh, was TD Bank. So we would give them away at bank branches. Uh, along with parks and schools and community centers. Those things helped with the recognition of we need to plant trees. I mean, when I got into this position, it was kind of a joke. Eh, every joke is a half truth. Lori the Lorax, I speak for the trees. But I do. I do. I mean, I drive by all the time. Look up look down, look all around, and I'm checking out the trees. I'm checking out the process and whether they are flowering, whether did they lose branches in this snowstorm, or hey, is somebody coming around to pick that up? So there's a whole realm of trees and tree maintenance. That's awesome. That is, that is awesome, and I'm glad you're a Lorax. <laughs> we need more of we need more Loraxes. And I think you you hit on so many wonderful uh things about trees, especially um when you're talking about the maintenance issues. If we all realized how much one tree gives to us over time, it's actually um creating dividends for us as a tree, as it grows and as it matures, it becomes uh, almost like a bank account uh, because it's saving and, and doing all kinds of functions. It becomes like a bank account, that tree. It's constantly giving us many services and that maintenance is critical for uh, the tree to provide the optimal services that it, that it can perform. There's an old proverb that and another one that's big for me is Arbor Day. 
Philadelphia is a tree city USA, and we've had that designation since 1976. And I'm, I'm very proud of that, that I've been able to help and carry on the tradition of the recognition. So I've often said, plant a tree today under which whose shade you shall never sit. Mm. So that means plant a tree now. Don't worry about it. Just do it. So uh, even when I speak to young children, first question I ask is, do you have a tree in front of your house? Or do you walk by a tree? Well, this I guess this was pre-pandemic. Do you walk by a tree on your way to school? How does that make you feel? Do you ever see blossoms? You're right. It's like a bank account. And, and the best thing I can describe it as is savings. You're saving. You're saving because you're going to get the benefits later. That's wonderful. It's a wonderful way to put it. I happen to love trees myself. And I, I uh, remember first meeting you at the Philadelphia Flower Show and PHS and um, a lot of other things going on around town. Uh, and I can't ever remember a moment that you weren't enthusiastic about greening. There's, you've always been enthusiastic about greening. Um, that's important for all of us. Lori, I understand that you're involved with the Philadelphia Urban Forest Strategic Plan. Can you talk a little bit about that? The mission for this plan is to establish a 10-year strategic plan for the planting and care of the urban forest guided by the values of environmental justice, community engagement, and sustainability. Our goal is to improve the tree canopy from 20% ultimately to 30%. In 2019, we engaged the United States Forest Service. We found that we'd lost at least 6% of the canopy in the past six years. Some areas had a low, as low as 3%. Others had 45 or better. So the net figure for loss was 6%. And uh, there's a there's a stat, 100 football fields. 100 football fields. Wow. wow. Football field in the past 10 years. Yes, that's what that six percent is. So we're we're looking to improve the canopy, but we have a few notions to do it. We have community ambassadors who are going to be engaged, meaning grassroots level, people in the community, sort of like the tree tenders that the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society uh, utilizes. But they're going to be devoted to this plan. Uh, we're looking at the environmental justice because health issues. We note this, especially when it gets hot and there are droughts. Well, there's asthma issues and such. And you know, if we could just green more, you know, air pollution, uh, mental health, uh, they even talk about cancer. Also, the proximity to Philadelphia parks. How close are people to parks and, and what they do? You should go to the park. 
Whereas now, say with the pandemic, they're saying, well, I'm home all the time, but it's okay to walk out. It's okay to walk out to a park and, and just kind of look around and, and see what's going on. It's healthy for us. Some phys physicians are writing prescriptions to be out in green space, I've noted. So, so yes, the strategic plan will incorporate those things, uh, and ultimately it will be a part of economic growth. We are going to have public engagement. There are going to be stakeholder workshops, and I mentioned those urban forestry ambassadors, and we're going to have citywide outreach. Um, we're going to survey folks, have open houses, uh, photo challenges, and, you know, probably my tree's better than your tree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> things like that. But we will begin to listen. We will begin to listen. We might all want to lead and drive this, but we have to look at our residents, our constituents, and listen. And maybe we just have to convince some people trees are good. You know, they're the ones that don't, some, some, I'm sorry, some, but we have to get a handle on our species selection and our size. Gone are the days of the wonderful London plain. They're not going to be monocultures. Well, we have a serious problem with them right now because of um, because they are also getting anthracnose. Um, at one point, they used to be resistant to that, but not anymore. Yes. And so I want to say they've seen their heyday. It's just that we can't continue to address tree canopy with those types of species alone. And I am a fan of Michael Durr and all his books and, and kind of statements about things. I've even been to the Bartlett Tree Lab in North Carolina. And people are doing great things in the laboratory looking at trees. So we'll, we'll have a handle on what we are, we are placing out there. We are looking at 10 years, as I mentioned. So, so this ambassador program is a six week program. Gray's Ferry, Point Breeze, Cobbs Creek, West Philadelphia, North Kensington, the River Wards, Strawberry Mansion, North Philly, Nice Town, Tioga. So those areas that I named it's one, two, three, four, five segments. The neighborhood ambassador program for urban forestry to look at geographic diversity. Any component of that considering uh, youth engagement and uh, job creation? And what would that look like? Okay, that would be a part of the ambassadors. It would be a $600 stipend. I don't know if the age range will probably have some seniors. Um, I don't know about young people just being targeted, but we also have 
power core programs in the city. And I also manage Tree Philly, which is a workforce development program. Okay, right. So it's kind of in place already, really. Yes, in small ways. Mm-hmm. It's just the budget because whereas the, the uh, tree keepers, well, I had five last year and we're kind of treading water. Um, I could have 15, but you can't transport 15 kids around right. and supervise them <laughs> and keep them working for an eight-hour day. So, yes, we have some tweaking. To I, I just want to give our listeners a, um, a site to go to, which um, is the Philadelphia's Urban Forest Strategic Plan, if you're interested in looking at it. Uh, it's the Mayor's Fund for Philadelphia. Uh, you can go to that, and there's a, a downloadable document that you can look through that Lori was uh, paging through. Uh, there's some amazing stuff on there, and it, it gives you a whole process in which um, their, the city is, is going to uh, utilize, as Lori was mentioning, and you can see that. So if you want to use it for other cities, this is a great model for other cities to consider using as well. Um, and Philadelphia, of course, the city of brotherly love, but also uh, we are in this, uh, the state of Pennsylvania, which is the Sylvan state, which is green. So it's a great place for things all green to, to begin. Lori, uh, for people visiting the city um, that notice these things, when I'm uh, inbound on the Schuylkill Expressway heading towards Center City, I look off to the right, saw it again this morning, all the amazing uh, work going on with restoration uh, off of the expressway and Montgomery Drive, um, heading up to the Hort Center. Can you give us a little bit of what that's all about? Because it's it's transformative. And initially it was stark because <laughs> I used to cut grass around there. So when I thought, oh, that tree too. And there are some wonderful Michaud oaks out there. Oh, wow. Uh, to, you know, the centennial of 1876. They're closer to Belmont Avenue and they've been noted in the Trees of Philadelphia book, uh, the combination book by. Uh, Ned Bernard and uh, Paul Meyer. I don't know the young woman's name, but you know the book. It's a wonderful I actually yes. met Ned's so, daughter-in-law, I do believe. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And he's um, awesome. And, and Paul Meyer, of course. Perfect. Yes. So that project, well, 5,000 trees were planted to restore West Fairmount Park, that forest, as an urban forest. When I mentioned mowing grass, when I began, I used to cut grass, say Belmont Avenue, Horticultural Drive in that loop, and we allowed it to turn into a meadow. Well, the meadow is secondary growth, but it's not the growth that you really want. There's a lot of crab apples. Black locust. Don't. Yeah. I mean, everything has its place, but it's not the forest that you would like. So there was an an initiative, and the gentleman who was spearheading it, Tom Whitmer, who was the urban forestry manager 
as far as uh, ecosystem environmental management, he's retiring. So he's leaving us, but he initiated the project. There will be 5,000 native trees planted. And I'm looking at a document that's from uh, December. There's 30 acres there that you mentioned, Hal, um, and it's by the Montgomery Drive and the Lansdowne Creek. They took down a number of trees to clear the area, and they are now home to a variety of native trees species, like the black gum, the uh, amelanchier, juneberries, uh, some willows, oaks, maples, sycamores, just to name a few. Uh, again, with diminished resources, we just didn't use the land in the same way. And then we also have deer. So some areas were denuded. So we had to put up deer enclosures to uh, more or less sustain and protect the newly planted trees there. So it'll bring, bring many benefits there. Uh, not only will it become a, a beautiful environment, they're going to have, have a very strong wildlife component there. But as you know, you must start someplace, meaning I was in shock, and of course, people called me as soon as they drove down Montgomery Drive. Oh my goodness, what's happening? Is that going to be an apartment development? I can see <laughs> they're going to they're going to build over yeah. there, but that's not in the plan. And that you can learn more about it at our Philadelphia Parks and Recreation site. But it's part of the 10-year strategy that I mentioned earlier. So around the Horticulture Center, down in the Glen, uh, the rear of the Please Touch Museum, it has been. That's fabulous. It, there's just so many wonderful things going on in the city of Philadelphia. And besides the urban forest um, strategic plan, what else do you, or how else do you envision trees moving forward for the city and investment? And who can invest? Who can invest? Who can give the city money for your programs? We always have volunteer projects. Love your park, care for your park, spring for your park. And we have a wonderful organization, the Fairmount Park Conservancy. They are the ones who can do things that the regular civil service employee cannot. Whereas I'm not allowed to really carry signs or spearhead fundraisers, but we have groups who are organized to do so. There are people everywhere, friends in all of our park areas who can help out. There are schools that we come to that beyond the mammals and the birds, I think about our future. Whereas somebody like me has been green all the time. I know, say, when I was coming up high school and going to school, you want to do what? Horticulture, what? 
you know, like, oh, we don't get dirty anymore. Well, you know, somebody's got to get dirty. Now we are like embracing the farmer and embracing, embracing the environmentalist. Yeah. There's love for us now. I embrace the young people. I embrace what they bring. I always say I'm the face on the cereal box, but what's inside? What they are developing. I have a wonderful assistant who I'm watching her grow and I'm being a leader for her. Her name is Erica Smith. I know you know I that do. name. I know Erica, yeah. Okay, yes. And I just say, just hang in there with me, coach me, cue me, however you need to do it. There are many projects. We have to stay organized and focused. That's what we must do. We have to welcome new ideas and initiatives. I came up in the years of, I'm going to throw a name out there. You may know it, Hal. Bob McConnell? Of course, yes. Of course. That's my man. He turned 94 on the 13th. And I happened to call him the day before. And wow. he saw something in me. He knew, I, he knew I wasn't a climber, but it was something about me and the park and dedication. Sure. So even though Bob didn't look like me, he nurtured my career. He sent me to places. Like there was a pest bull session at Laurel Hill. Right. He sent me there. And it was like, he says, Laurie, it's by invitation only, but I put your name in. I want to be that for some other young people who are interested. I want to put your name in there. Um, as you well know, you know, you had history with PHS. Some things we do, some things we don't do anymore. I still miss the Harvest Show. Bounty by the basket. Okay. I won ribbons. That was great at Fairmount Park, right by the Japanese garden. I loved going there, doing presentations. I had a blast. Yeah. Yes. It was right around the Jewish so holiday, we, the harvest of, of Sukkot. That's right. Yes. So we have to preserve certain things. We can't repeat them exactly as they were. But we still have to teach him about it. I mean, I still teach kids the importance of Arbor Day. They look at me like, what? Even my own kids. We planted a tree some years back because they said they didn't hear about Arbor Day. And at the time, I think I borrowed a VHS tape. It's Arbor Day, Charlie Brown. So <laughs> <laughs> and some bar gang old tapes about so we still have to teach those things, maybe not in the old way, but in the new way, because, you know, the sun's going to rise and set and we still have to eat and protect ourselves. What I was hearing uh, you say in, in many ways, and it comes up on the show quite a bit, is just citizen arborists. Uh, if we're going to pull on the same rope and if funding, it continues to be an issue in big cities for the urban forest. Our only option is to continue to teach that and strengthen the skill base 
of volunteers and citizens so that they can be engaged at all levels of tree planting and then the, the caring for them afterwards. Absolutely. But the only caution there is because I'm civil service is liability. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to work over their heads and think they can saw that limb and, and there's an accident. Yeah. But I want you to come out and help mulch. I want you to keep that street tree, excuse me, planting square clean. I want you to talk to your neighbors. And if you see a hanger within reach, cut that off. Right. So, yes, I, I love, like, uh, there's UC Green. I don't want to start naming things. There's, uh, Jacelyn. Oh, she's over there, Fish Town. She's a wonderful oh, young yes, lady. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. So, and I think she's a certified arborist now. So, yes, we still have to teach the people to try to get certified, keep your certification, and engage yourself. It's not so good just to get the certification and then not do anything. Mm -hmm. It's no longer good just to have the certificate on the wall. You have to be active. And, and that's one of the things that's helped me, even though I was Fairmount Park for many years, PHS was my friend. I worked with the city greening, gardening sure, program. Sure, Penn State. Yeah. Yes, if they gave me a title, I'd go out. It wasn't like, oh, I don't work for you. Someone just wrote on my Facebook page something about our PHS expert. I don't correct them. I'm PHS. I'm a member. I love them. Whoever's still there, I love them too. So <laughs> I need to ask you one last nerdy tree tech question, Lori. You've seen a lot of tree pits, right, in your day? Yes. If you could redesign a tree pit, if you could wave the magic wand in any way, and maybe you're happy with what we have, but do trees ever tell you, look, could you give me a redesign that will accommodate me a little bit better? Do you have any ideas on that? Because the old three by three, I feel bad for trees anymore, especially if the roots aren't talking to each other, then the tree, you know, 40 feet down the street, they're not communicating. What do we do? That's a good question. There are some design aspects. What, what we have to remember is planting, they're usually an individual case-by-case case occurring. Because you want a tree on your block doesn't mean Mrs. Jones next door wants a tree. Often we cut the sidewalk. It may be four by four now, but think about our city infrastructure. The sidewalks aren't but so wide. Right. We've got ADA. Can I come down the street with my wheelchair? Am I pushing a baby carriage? We can't make them but so big, but we can't take the fact that we need trees. And there are some areas uh, near South Street, um, maybe I'm talking about River Wards. They have the adjacent tree pits where there's a whole structure underneath of gabions and, and cages. And yes, the trees can talk to one another, but that takes money. 
what we're looking at, we cut the sidewalk, we got to look at species. Mm -hmm. We just stop putting these giant horses in, say, the puppy bowl. We Thank can't, you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a time when, you know, go big or go home. Uh, we worked on uh, uh, declining oaks down at 4th and Rittner Street in South Philadelphia. And I don't know if you're on Facebook or if you are. I went down there to watch my men do the job. This tree was overgrown years ago. It even sucked up the cobblestones under the stump. We're not going to be able to grind that stump. And I do look at stumps that are left. Why is it there? And because our specs say 18 to 24 inches, that's how deep the stump must be routed. Most people won't plant a tree on top of that. And, and, and usually if you've had a tree in front of your home 30, 40 years, you're really just saying, I'm going to concrete this over and somebody else can do it. I hate to say that, but that's what goes on. Yeah. Well, you've got a lot of fascinating urban tree stories, and we could go on and on. That 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 was a very good overview. I am going to circle back and call you because I want to hear about the Gabion boxes. I want to. I have one last question that we have to ask, uh, Lori. What is or are your favorite trees um, that you have a, a close spiritual affinity for? Well, that was not hard, and this is why. You can see that I have typed my real name, Lori Maple Hayes. When I was a kid, I hated that name. Now it's like a rock star. My grandmother was Magnolia. Mm. I love Magnolias. She was Magnolia Elizabeth, and my grandmother was Lorraine Magnolia. Wow. Wow. So it's just tree stuff. I still don't know. They tell me that one of the aunts was Maple. And when she went to school, they changed it to Mabel because they couldn't believe her name was Maple. But this is the name on my birth certificate. And I embrace it now. I used to only say my name on Arbor Day. Fantastic. Wow, that is so cool. Lori Maple Hayes, you know, but now I embrace it because it is who I am. And yes, as far as the love of trees, I want to say it's the Southern Magnolia because of the blossom. But I also like Tripetala because they're out here, those large leaves and the flowers. It's the fragrance. I'm, I'm just a I think this tree thing, I, I have OCD, okay, obsessive compulsive. If I see a magnolia candle, I'm buying it. So, <laughs> but That's yes. just passion, my that friend. Is, that is so perfect, Lori. I, we, we are both delighted that you could be on yeah. uh, the Planet Trillion Trees podcast today. You have inspired us. You have given us information that we did not know about. And you have given us things to think about for the future, which is wonderful. What a fantastic way to end the week and start the weekend energized and arbor-centric <laughs> once again. 
right. Thanks, Lori. Right. Thanks, Lori. Take care. Have a good Thank weekend. Thank you.